you know, my mum got raped by her dad, like, and then got sent to a mental hospital. Like, there's some crazy shit, man. Like, I've, you see people here that are living in like huts, like walking to like the fucking river with like a fucking bucket on their head, like, but they're happier than most people in the Western world, you know? People in the Western world are sitting there with a pantry full of fucking food with like a thousand channels being like, fuck, I'm not happy. So I sold the company for 950,000 USD and it was on the premise, it was on the premise of um, structuring like a payment plan. Seven months later, the new owner has sent me an email saying, hey, I want to cancel the purchase agreement. Welcome back to Seeking Success Podcast, the number one virtual podcast in the world, powered by StockPick. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Dan Suckling, aka Fit Pro University. He's the owner of a six-figure Fit Pro University. He's an entrepreneur. He's scaled to $2 million fitness company and helped over 100 coaches hit six figures, with four of them hitting seven figures. That's crazy. That's impressive, wow. Dan. How'd you even get in the coaching space, Dan? It's actually quite a long story. So um, I've been playing sports my whole life. I was playing rugby league since, you know, five years old. Uh, I, was, I grew up in, a, in Sydney, Australia. And, nice. uh, okay. and uh, when I was 14 years old, so my dad was actually inside of a religious cult called the Brethren Church. So this, bre okay. this religious cult, you're not allowed to watch TV or you go to hell. You can't listen to music or you go to hell. You cannot associate with anybody outside of this church or you go to hell. So wow. when my dad was 14 years old, he jumped out of his bedroom window and slept in a park for oh. about two weeks. And the, the police found him and said, hey, we're going to bring you back to your parents. And he said, I don't want to do that. So he lived with his friends for about five years uh, and then got a job and sort of met my mum. And then moved from New Zealand to Australia and then had me. Wow. So, okay, um, okay, time out, time out, time out. Dan, you just dropped yeah. like a, wait, <laughs> What? Okay. 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 That's actually wow. Okay. So it's you said it's called the uh the bread the brethren uh religion. Yeah, the brethren church. It's like very. Like if, if, if we talk about this, religion. like we're not going to get assassinated, right? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, they, so, they can't watch TV, so they probably can't even see this. Oh. Oh. Okay. So wow, like, wait. Okay. Can, you, you, yeah. Do you know much about this religion? Like, can, like, can we like quickly like tell us more about this religion? Because this is crazy. Yeah, so it's it's like a, they only do business with each other. So they have like this whole ecosystem where like all the money gets exchanged within the church. And okay. even my dad's parents, my dad's parents and my dad's siblings to this day are still in the church. They've still not watched TV. They still haven't listened to music. Um, we're not allowed to associate with them. But yeah, my dad left when he was uh, 14 years old. And then Crazy. when I was 14 living in Sydney, he basically moved to Australia to start a new life. He changed his name and everything to try to, you know, change his identity. When I was 14 years old, uh, my grandparents and so my dad's parents, they tracked down my dad and they forgave him for his sins. And the church put together $60,000 to put a deposit on a house in New Zealand for us to move back. So basically we moved over to New Zealand. The first time I met my grandparents, they came in with all these other uh, brethren holding like suitcases and sort of teaching my dad about mortgages and stuff like that. Then they left and I never saw them again. Like crazy shit. Whoa. Um, wait, yo. It's okay, a so, movie. <laughs> wait, yeah, wait, okay, so hold on. Is this still, um, is this like a only, is this only in New Zealand or is this like a worldwide thing? I think it's worldwide. It's like the women wear like these bandanas over their head and they wear like long dresses, like long, they, they're not allered to show their knees. Um, okay. It's, it's wild. They've even offered for crazy. me to like join the church, but they said that, you know, they'll remove my tattoos and, They'll set me oh, up with a wow. wife and a house because I was actually working for them. But even when I worked for them, they have separate lunch rooms for like 
the brethrens and the non-brethrens. Like it's wild. Wow. Wow. Damn. Okay, do, do you know off the top of your head, like how many people are a part of this religion? Like roughly? Uh, I wouldn't have a clue, but there'll be a lot. There'll be tons. Yeah. Um, wow. But basically, like, they're very strict. So, like, let's just say the husband, like, let's just say a guy's got a family in the church, he's got a wife and three kids. If he sins, the church will basically kick him out and remove him from his family. And the family is so indoctrinated inside of the religion that they just don't talk to the husband. Because wow. Yeah, they don't want to talk with it. Yeah. Wow. But that's okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my dad, my dad told me that when he ran away, he said it was like a totally different world. He said he went to the movies for the first time when he was 14, when he ran away That's with nice. his friends from school that they weren't in the church. But you know the, the commercials that, that start before the movie actually begins? Yeah, the yeah. They went to a black screen after the commercials, and my dad was like, thought that was the movie, and all of his friends were wow. like cracking up, like, dude, the movie wow. hasn't even started yet. <laughs> no, wow. Okay, wait, so... Crazy. This is so fascinating, man. Okay, wait, is, so, does this religion have, like, its own god, or...? Um... I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Right, are you yeah, this uh, is... interested in converting, bro? <laughs> this is so fascinating, man. Like, what? I've never heard this before. This is so cool. Yeah, yeah that's wild. Um, so yeah, we moved to New Zealand and, um, they put the deposit on the house for us and I was playing rugby league from five years old up until 14. When I moved to New Zealand, like I went to play rugby league over there, but all these like 14 year olds look like fucking adults, man. They got like, mustaches <laughs> and big, like big, like Tongans and Samoans and stuff. And right. I'm like, I'm five foot five, you know? So I was like, shit, like I, I can't, uh... <laughs> I'm going to get destroyed. Um, so then I started boxing from 14 until 21. Um, okay. When I was 21, one day I was just about to go in for a fight. I was at a tournament and my dad pulled me outside and told me that mum had passed away. She mm. had um, emphysema, which went on for about seven or eight years. It was quite sudden. Um, and then shortly after that, my boxing trainer sort of let me go. I had a really bad fight and just sort of like kicked me to the no. ground. And oh, then um, my mum was actually a world champion bodybuilder back in the day. Um, oh, wow. so I and I was like, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to try and like get on a bodybuilding stage. I was like right. 51 kilos, which was probably like 115 pounds at 22 years old. You know, I was super light. Oh, um, right. so I started training and then I did a bodybuilding show and, um, like that led to an obsession around like nutrition. So I became mm. a certified nutritionist, then got a job in a gym. Um, but I couldn't get any clients because you know, all the PTs, they give like nutrition advice in their packages. Yeah. And I was scrolling one day and I saw like an ad from this dude, Lynn Trin, about like, you know, blowing up an online fitness business. It's like, I can do that. I was looking at like Joseph Rakich and all these like, you know, body and these other dudes. I was like, yes. that's pretty cool. So yeah, like one thing led to another and um, started a company working with mums, sort of like telling my mum's story and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, that blew up to like 445 clients within a two year period. And, um, yeah, from that point, I just became obsessed about like marketing ads, sales, like mm. automation, building a team. And so wow. I let go of Supermax Relief and then started a consulting company, uh, helping online fitness coaches scale, um, which went on for about two and a half years. And then last year in August, I sold the company, um, and oh, started nice. university, which is in the same industry, but you know, we were charging 22 K USD for cash clock Academy. But now we're only charging like 247 a month or 1997. So it's like lower ticket. Um, mm. And the reason why I did that was because like 
you know, our, our program got great results, but I just found that like a lot of these fitness coaches would be in a place of scarcity before they even began. You know, they just invested 22,000. Then you've got the software, then you've got Facebook ads. Yes. On top of that, um, I'd rather them invest that money into their business instead um, right. and operate from a place of abundance. It's, it's going to serve them better. It's going to serve me better in the long run. Oh, for sure. For wow, sure. okay. There, no, there's a lot yeah, there, man. Yeah, man. Holy smokes. <laughs> a lot of your life sounds like a freaking movie, man. Yeah. Like, there's been like <laughs> trial, tribulation, but also triumph, which is awesome. But what also interested me was, and I didn't really actually get this from your profile, but from just chit-chatting with you on DM, is you are you currently in, living in Bali right now? I'm currently living in Bali. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. one year as of next month. Oh, okay, wow. can you talk? Can you talk about that? Because again, growing up, like when I first got into like the online uh, like nomad space, that was something that was very popular. The guys would do the internet money, laptop money thing, and go move to Bali, live a super cheap lifestyle, but almost live in luxury. Can you talk about the lifestyle of living down in Bali? Yeah, well, like when I was living in New Zealand, it just felt like a severe groundhog day. It was just like wake up, go to the coffee machine, go to my office, just sit, work all day, go to the gym, sleep, and repeat. And I was just like, fuck, man, I just feel like so unfulfilled. Um, yes. And I just made the decision like overnight. I was like, man, I'm just going to move to Bali. Um, so yeah, I made the move. I didn't know anybody. Um, but I went on this Facebook group, um, which is called uh, Digital Nomads Bali. And I just okay. typed in there. I was like looking for a videographer um, to work with me full time. And this dude from Indonesia popped up. And he's like, yeah, you know, $500 a month. And I was like, damn, that's cheap. Full time. <laughs> like follows me around everywhere. And I was like, damn. So he rode his like little scooter. I think it was like 21 hours from his hometown all the way down to Bali. And oh, wow. um, I'm grateful that he worked with me because, you know, I couldn't speak the language. I didn't know anybody. And so he basically like showed me around and sort of taught me um, Bahasa, like how to speak Indonesian. So now I'm like nearly fluent Indonesian as well. I've got a wow. Oh, wow. No, in a year. Partner as well. What's it called? Um, passport Bros, eh? <laughs> yeah, Passport Bros. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, man. Yeah. That's, so, um, that's and insane. Fucking awesome, man. It's like. It's so cool over here. It's like organized chaos. Like, oh, yeah. you know, there's no road rules. Like, you can, like, drink and drive if you want to, but the police are like, you know, if you fuck yourself up, then, like, that's on you, you know? Like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, you can do basically any. The police are pretty corrupt, though. Like, okay. But like you yeah. pay them off and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like, if you ride around without a helmet, they'll just sort of, like, write you a ticket, but then they say, you know, if you don't want to pay this ticket, you can pay us, like, this much. If you've got no money, they'll just make you drop and do 50 push-ups. Oh, no way. That's, That's kind of dope. That's kind of cool. dope. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a certain amount of corruption that kind of works, as long as it's not, like, freaking crazy. Yeah, like yeah. what we have in Romania right now. No, man. What we have in Canada right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... the, the, the real corruption that you don't see. Yeah. Like, man, if the cops want 200 bucks for it so you don't already take it. Uh, Bro, I'd, I'd much rather do they that than take it. Mm -hmm. I think the world's going into a very fucked up place, like obviously in Romania oh, yeah. with what's happening with Andrew Tate. And yeah. in Canada, at one point, I think it was like with the vaccines and stuff like that, they actually we were locked bank accounts, didn't they? Yeah, so Did what happened was, no, 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 yeah, yeah. So what happened was we had a trucker's protest and basically yeah. people who were a part of that trucker's protest, they had their bank accounts frozen, which is so fucked up. Damn. Like, and now with it the was whole crazy. like tick that's rolling out in Australia for Facebook, like... They're rolling out like a social credit system in Australia right now um, where you've got, it's called like the Australian government ID and that's going to okay. be like the same thing. It's going to be linked up to like the, like everything, the bank account. They've got those face detectors, those CCTV, yeah. that like your mood and all that sort of shit. 
I think that's, that's so crazy. Dude, that hopefully, is going to uh, be a scary reality. to roll that out. <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. But no, Indonesia is dope because like, that's what I hear. Like, like, are you living in like some crazy private villa, dirt cheap? How's that side? Like, is, is this still well, like, true today? Pool and, like... Or is it got expensive because of tourism? What's it like now? Yeah, like in the last three months, the prices have like doubled or tripled, eh? Like it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Oh, for sure. Um, I was paying like maybe 1200 USD a month um, in the beginning. Okay. And it was like a two-bedroom place with a pool and a cleaner. It was really good, but now it's like shot right up to like you know forty-two hundred, or maybe like thirty-five. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, so it's not even cheap anymore. That's like you could probably get something like in most cities for that price now. Yeah, but that being said, like you can get like a one-bedroom, you know, sort of like a guest house scenario for like a hundred bucks a month. Right. Oh, a hundred bucks a month. Yeah, it really depends on sort of like what you want. If you want like a three bedroom thing with like one room for an office and a pool. So Dan, you're, you're telling us for $4,500 that you're paying right now, it's because you live in top luxury, security, cleaner, all that. Is that why you're paying them more money or? Yeah, like I, I have this like weird belief that like, you know, if I'm, if I'm living in a, a nicer place, I sort of like feel like I can attract more abundance into yeah. my life like yeah if i worked sure. in a one bedroom dungeon with no windows like i wouldn't <laughs> work, you know <laughs> for sure for sure yeah no i also want to ask dan have you done any like crazy networking have you met any other like other famous nomads while living in bali because there's like a handful of youtubers and influencers who have moved down to bali full-time man i am such a hermit eh? like i'm i'm pretty <laughs> introverted to be honest i just like to keep to myself i've got my i bought like a little french bulldog over here oh nice yeah, and we just like go on like road trips and like holidays. We go to Thailand sometimes, and okay. yeah, I just yeah, I just like to keep to myself. I feel like there's less. You get a cheeky massage. <laughs> What's that massage? <laughs> nah, man. Nah, not me. Okay, wait, crazy, bro. So Dan, let's actually let's actually bring this. I want to bring this back um, a bit real quick. So you said you sold a company. Are you able to say how much you uh, sold for? Yeah, so there's a really wild story to that actually. So I sold the company for nine hundred and fifty thousand USD, and it was on okay. the premise. It was on the premise of um, structuring like a payment plan um, over a two-year period with like balloon payments in between. I see. And okay. so basically what happened was the new owner took over CCA. Um, as soon as he jumped into the company, he switched off the ad campaign and that was responsible for like 95% of the business's revenue. Oh, nice. And, uh, God. He went off to do some like cold outreach LinkedIn strategy, uh, which oh, bombed. Oh, my God. And then so the revenue for the company stopped. And so the team members weren't getting paid. So one by one, they started to leave. And as a oh, result, clients weren't being looked after. So you know, they're just saying, what's going on? No one's supporting me. Uh, and now, seven months later, the new owner has sent me an email saying, hey, I want to cancel the purchase agreement. Um, you now have ownership of the company after it's been destroyed. Um, and he actually had the audacity to send me an invoice for 28,000 US dollars for managing the company from August up until what this point. What the fuck? So yeah, I'm actually going like back and forth with like lawyers in Florida where he lives um, to to really like bring this to justice because even the team is owed like 30,000 US dollars. There's clients that are owed refunds. And I think that his back is against the wall and he just feels like there's no way out. Um, so he's just mm. trying to like do anything he can to, to get out of it. But um, now I didn't Horrible. put in all that time and sacrifice and, you know, moments of scarcity um, for it to be destroyed and me not get paid out. So yeah it's a, it's yeah that's shame. horrible what yeah, the, so okay what are like the complications by like is this like a case that you're more likely gonna win or is this like something that's gonna get drawn out or how does this go if yeah you can talk i think about it's it. a case of i think 
think I'll definitely win this case, but the only concern that I have is like the investment he have the, the money lawyers in order to win the case, you know, it might be like hundred oh. K USD and I'm like, shit, man, I haven't been paid out. How can I pay you if this guy hasn't paid me, you know? So oh, shit. Yeah, horrible. The, the horrible. meeting's actually on uh, tomorrow morning. So I want to, I want to say this. One of my friends, um, it was about a year and a half ago. He sold his company for, if I'm not mistaken, two or three million dollars. But the way the deal was structured was there's something called like the golden handcuffs, where they basically kept the guy, like the previous owner, on salary for two years, which was yeah. a part of the agreement of sale. Was that not like a thing that was come up for you when you sold your company? No, nah, we just had like a ninety day uh, transition period, and um, oh. yeah, that's about it. But the, the new owner knew that I was staying inside of the same industry, but like running like a lower ticket offer. I think he yes. was betting on the idea of sort of me integrating uh, Cash Clock Academy with my new company and oh. using that as like a sell with like a kickback in revenue. But I just said to him like, it doesn't align with my message. Like my message is just like, these fitness coaches don't have to invest 10 to 20K into a mastermind to learn the systems and processes to grow. And he doesn't like that. He feels like I'm just like aiming it at him but there's no non-compete clause or anything like that. Like, yeah, yeah, well yeah. That, that I was in the same industry. So, yes, yeah. yes, that that's yeah. wow, damn. Okay, wait. So, talk to us then about like this new membership model because we've seen a lot of people in the space, uh, including ourselves, open up a membership. We saw Dan Henry, for example, who always preached high ticket, high ticket, high ticket, high ticket, and now he has a ninety-seven dollar membership. We've seen a lot of people go down this route. Go down this route. Um, what exactly? How are you positioning your offer and what exactly is your offer? Yeah, Facebook as well, right? They just brought out the blue verification tick. And exactly. all, I'm yeah. seeing is, all I'm seeing is like, damn, that's like some heavy monthly recurring revenue that they're stacking up right now, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so basically with the subscription model, I used, I ran, I tested a whole up bunch of different offers. So we had like free seven day trial, cancel any time. Yeah. And that just like blew up. But the problem with that was we were attracting like really shitty clients. People would just like come and go. They'd use and abuse the intellectual property. And people would join the seven day trial knowing that they've got no money in the bank account to continue thereafter. Um, Horrible. Yeah, and that was like an automatic like checkout page underneath like a webinar. So I've just recently changed it to a 12 month uh, mentorship program, which is like 1997 USD paid in full for the year. Otherwise it's 247 USD per month. Um, and now they have to actually submit an application. Then it drives mm. them into my um, mini chat flow and I just have a short conversation with them and if they're a good fit I'll send them like a private invitation which lays out everything involved as well as the investment options they'll just mm. come back and say yeah I want to go with paid in full check out link and then enroll them but um I think the biggest thing with the high ticket industry is like with cash clock academy we we're doing like 265k a month thereabouts which like looks good from the outside but the profit margins were like horrible it's like 15 percent 20 percent margins um, whereas with this new capital, yeah. it's probably like 70, 75% margins, which is like so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. For yeah. sure, for sure. That's the only issue, right, with high ticket, what a lot of people don't realize is the amount of marketing you need to inject to sell sometimes, unless you're like a Logan Paul, a very famous individual, like it's not impossible, but that's why the profit margins get cut so, so thin is mm. – you got to spend a lot of money in marketing. And we had Tanner on talk about this. We had Dan Henry on talk about this. And it's just, it's, it's crazy, you know? And, and, and now we are seeing a lot of people moving into the, the cheaper subscription model. And it's not just in the industry of like mentoring and courses, but we, we've, we've been seeing this for the past four or five years with like music streaming mm -hmm. services, 
movie services, yeah. gaming services. I'm not sure how familiar you guys are, but like PlayStation, Xbox even has like a 1999. Oh yeah, like the so game pass, the game, like yeah, game yeah, pass yeah. and all that. So that's something that people are looking to shift towards. It's so much more attractive because like it's like a, a you know death by a thousand cuts versus paying 20, 30 grand up front. So I think it's actually Bro, interesting going to that space. You know what's so yeah. fascinating, uh, Dan? Do you know what Pret is? Like Pret à manger? Uh no. Okay, I thought you guys have Pret in over there, but okay, basically, uh, in like Europe and some uh, looking around the whole world, they have this place called Pret, and it's like kind of like a coffee shop type thing. And what they have, it's so funny. You can get their app, and you can get a monthly subscription, so you get a coffee every fucking day. Wow! Really? And it's like physical locations all around the world. Like it's insane. Okay, okay, dude, this is so off topic, but I have to say it now. I saw a video, and I have to say it now, bro. <laughs> did you know Starbucks? is the biggest bank right now. What do you mean? <laughs> so here's the thing. You know how bank works. You deposit your money, they pay you small return, or for some okay. people who don't understand, they just put their money to lock it in somewhere, okay? Starbucks rolled out their app with rewards, right? You So you pay, you get rewards. But they had this feature where like, almost like a gift card, but like you could preload your app. And usually they have like promos, like preload 10 bucks and like get an extra $5 credit, whatever, whatever. So from last I checked or last I heard, they have like $1.5 billion locked up in their app. They have no regulations because they're not a bank. So the owner of Starbucks could do fuck all if he wants to (laughs) and invest however the hell he likes. Like it's crazy how – like and it's crazy because I had to talk about – because it kind of rolls back to the subscription model. Yeah. Everyone's gonna do that. Like we're gonna see it with like Walmart's, all these big stores. They're gonna do it too. Cause like if Starbucks said, it, they're all gonna do it. And now they have 1.5 billion dollars to play with. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. Bro, that shit blew my mind, man. Like that's wow. the power of like bringing everybody in together and like the damage you could really do. That's nuts. Wow, that's that actually nuts. fucking crazy. Damn, 1.5 <laughs> billion in just free cash. Yeah. Bro, and honestly, it could be more, man. I could be skewing the numbers. I just saw the TikTok like maybe a couple of days back, mm-hmm. but it's insane. Well, bro, think about this as well, right? Like Elon Musk with his uh, full self-driving for Teslas, he wants to have it be a yeah. subscription model as opposed to a one-time fee of like 15K or whatever it is. So, yes, yeah, I don't know. Subscription models are interesting. And I think like, I mean, bro, even with fucking software, like look at ClickFunnels, right? Like obviously yeah, we yes. see Dan with the ClickFunnels award. Woo-hoo. ClickFunnels award. <laughs> like they're, they're a monthly subscription as well, right? Like it's, it's cool to yeah. see like, the world kind of and bro it low-key it also goes with like the whole like digital wallets and like you know it's gonna be all just like taken away from your life and it's like i don't know man man we really are we really are fucked up in this world (laughs) and the the crazy thing with pro university is most of the revenue doesn't even come from the actual subscription because we've got the SaaS products as well so we've got like go high level where you can actually charge your own price oh you white label it yeah, so you don't oh. go high level. Like, it's like ClickFunnels, yeah, yeah. Active Campaign, Kajabi, all integrated in one. So you can like charge your own fee for that. But literally, our customers can't do the program unless they get go high level because all of the mm. walkthrough videos, all of the funnel templates, the email sequences, everything yes. is in that hub. So that just like increases the lifetime value of that client. Like, oh. um, and I'm looking at bolting other things on as well, like um, supplements. Um, and creating a system for our clients of like how and when to pitch those supplements and mm, I'll just yes. get like a, a kickback. Um, yes. And I've also got like other sub companies that have come in. So I've got like a copywriting dude, um, a marketing agency, uh, a funnel designer, a dude that does like those Hormozy style captions. And nice. all of our clients that work with these people will just be like kickback, kickback, kickback. So oh, I've actually got a team that manages the finances um, for those sub companies. And it's good for them too because they're getting like 
free clients without marketing, you know, just by being in our sure. ecosystem. And it's solving more problems for our clients too, which is like amazing. That's so sick. So Dan, do you mind sharing like how much you guys are doing a month with your uh, low ticket offer? Yeah, so the this company is about five, five or six months old. Nice. Um, we're doing about 43K per month USD from the subscription alone. Nice. We're about 10K USD from the vault. And then we've got kickbacks from these other companies um, coming in, which is much less in comparison to like the old company. But the profit margins are like so much Way better. higher. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. the yes. industry is like, everyone's like, who's Dick's bigger? You know, like everyone's bragging yes. about the, the big revenue months, but no one's talking about um, how much cash they're, they're actually keeping, you know? Keeping. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. That's Wait, okay. And Dan, sorry. Um, and for the marketing side, was this more of an organic approach, or did you have to pour like, like money into marketing the short, like the, um, the lower ticket offer crazy? Um, man, I've always done paid ads ever since like 2016. So like, yeah, I know paid ads much better than organic. Um, and I okay, just feel like okay. organic's like a bit of a slower process. You know, it's like it is. Oh yeah. Well, to build influence and authority with a with an audience. Mm -hmm. um, yes. we, we do do organic, but you know, most of our acquisition is done via, via paid ads to a um, VSL. Okay. Nice. And that's, that's, that's nice. That is nice. So, so Dan, talk to us, because obviously this is the Seeking Success podcast, and we, you've, I guess, helped a lot of people make a lot of money. What are the main differences you see from some of your clients getting to that seven-figure yeah, seven mark as opposed to the people who get stuck in the six-figure mark? What are, the, what are the differentiating factors? interrupt your program to tell you about the Seeking Success University, the one-stop shop to learn personal development, how to build your credit and get up to six figures in credit, and how to monetize your social media presence, all taught under one umbrella with exclusive bonuses and exclusive content. That will be linked in the description below. Definitely check it out. Let's see you in the uni. Um, I think the biggest, uh, well, I think the biggest thing from getting people from zero to six is like expectations versus reality. I think like mm. so many people have read hundred million dollar offers by Hormozy and they've just come out with these wild <laughs> offers, you know, like seven figure business, six weeks, all your money back. Plus I'll come to your house and, and cook your meals. Like a month, and give you know? me a massage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think because of that, like everyone's being marketed, like the quick, fast, easy solution where like yeah. they have a blueprint that doesn't align with reality. And when that happens, I think like shit just hits the fan, you know, and they're like, why, why is this not like, why don't I have a six figure business? And it's like, well, nobody's told you that it's not easy and like you know it's not like what you need to do but it's it's who you need to become in that process too you know yeah yeah that's, things that's like, very things good like work ethic and like resourcefulness is massive as well instead mm -hmm. of like encountering a problem and being like what do i do and freaking out just like all the information's on youtube and google right like you can find everything yes. how to run a yes. uh, how to integrate zapier with this like everything's there you know it's just a matter of finding it yeah, no, and I really like what you said. It's like about who you're becoming to get to that seven figure level. I think the best resource anyone could go to is I don't know if you guys went through this, but the Sam Ovens week two in one of his courses, where it's literally just all mindset, mindset, mindset. It's so fire. And literally what you're talking about is who are you becoming, having that person's like beliefs, their, I guess, um, habits, routines, everything, principles. And it's really, really interesting. And it's so funny, bro. Like you see all these ads like, oh, we'll get you this or uh, money back guaranteed and I'll give you a thousand dollars and then you look in the fine print and it's like yeah like if you don't listen to every single thing we tell you to do we're not going to refund your money <laughs> and it's like okay like yeah. nice <laughs> yeah. it's fucking crazy yeah. and I feel like before I started uh, the first online fitness business I was moving furniture uh, for my dad's company and I mm -hmm. fucking hated it man like it was so horrible like after hours getting paid like a shitty wage and so I think what happens when you like 
see a piece of success online is that you've gone so far down the road that the pain of going back is far greater than the pain of like just pushing through and continuing to do the work. Mm, and so like, sure. I associate a lot of pain with like going back to, you know, moving furniture for a little, I could never do that now. Like I'd rather mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, 100%. No, it's it's crazy you said that, Dan, because, like, even me, right? I was, like, went down the traditional education route, did my high school, went to college, got, like, a diploma, started working 9 to 5. That's when, like, around, like, my second year into the 9 to 5, my online business started taking off. At the time, it was YouTube, creating content. I started making more money doing YouTube than actually working the job. And since I quit, it's been almost two years. It'll be two years in May. It's like, I can never turn back. And the difference between the nine to five and being in the online business is the online business has some crazy months where it's like the money is stupid. But then there's like it could be two months where it's like, oh, no, like, am I going to make it? Do I got to go back to the job. Um, but sometimes that, that feeling of being pinned against the wall and then also in your heart knowing that you never want to go back. That could be that extra. I don't want to say motivation, but it could be that extra motivation to keep you going. I personally felt that. But I also want to touch on this. It's actually very interesting you said this because you said specifically that you work for your dad's moving business. And it's actually interesting because. I'd consider myself an entrepreneur, and growing up, my mom was always an entrepreneur. Radice's mom's also an entrepreneur, and it sounds like your dad's an entrepreneur as well. How much do you think that affected you, like seeing your parent being a hustler? What do you think that affected your, your upbringing almost? Yeah, well, like, to be honest, <clears throat> I think my dad, like, always, like, my dad ran away when he was 14, right? So I think he's yeah. always been driven by, like, security and stuff. Mm, and yes. even though he owns, like, this uh, furniture installation business, I feel like he never sees himself as a business owner. Like he's, he's okay. always like contracting other under other bigger companies. And so um, like, I think my dad's perspective around business is like very limited. Like he's not tech savvy yes. or he's not really like yes. a businessman, so to speak. Um, oh, for sure. And I think it's taken him a couple of years to like really look at me and be like, yeah, Dan knows what he's doing, you know, like, <laughs> um, and actually just as of last week, he sold his um, furniture installation company for oh, about nice. 200,000 or something. But he's 56 okay. and he said to me, Dan, like, what am I going to do after this? Like, he's working with the guy for another year, but then he's, then he's got nothing to do. It's free, yeah. And I said, Dad, I'm going to find the best e-commerce mentor in this space. And I said, if you pay for the investment and if you pay for the software and if you pay for the ad spend, then basically I'll go and do everything. I'll do the product research. I'll build all the funnels, uh, the websites. Mm. I'll run the ad copy. I'll manage everything. And I'll give you a percentage of the profit. And he said, yes. So... I'm so fucking happy about that because I get to play the game for free um, and master yeah. a few skills. You know? um, yes. And I do like the idea of like making money without, you know, clients, like without like managing so many people. Yeah. Like, like it is frustrating sometimes when you have clients that aren't resourceful, aren't, don't do the work, complain. You know, when you're far along and you look back at those people, it's like, fuck, man, I just want to work with like A players, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Man, but Dan, that's so interesting you said that because like I always had this debate within myself too. It's like service or product, right? It's because like they both actually suck. <laughs> if I'm being honest, because there's a lot of bullshit that comes with what sales in general, right? But if you want to make the money, you got to do things that suck sometimes, right? Uh, me personally, after trying both, I much prefer the service route just because it's usually like less refunds, less you know manufacturer defects. My wife runs a clothing company pretty well and like she's always doing the customer service and it's always me actually end up doing the customer service emails <laughs> yes sure we'll send you something for free i'm sorry for the delay yada 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 um 
versus a service business, like when we're in the YouTube space and we're like we're getting paid to to promote a product, or if it was back in the marketing days when we're paying we're paying to get to help market these companies, I feel the service space is so much better. There is bullshit that comes with both. They're both stressful. Oh, but yeah. like, actually, I want to ask both of you, like Radice and uh, and Dan, like if you had to pick one, would you prefer selling a service based business or product based business? Service for sure. Yeah, service for yeah. sure. I think the product yeah. the product based business is solely to just help my dad like retire. Yeah, you know, so I'm yeah. Like, I'm gonna build this thing up. I'll help him retire, and then yes. I'll get a kickback in the meantime to sort of yeah, for sure. the expenses mm. for my existing business. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree, man. I think it's definitely service, unless the product is like an actual like life changing product, like. I'm sure if you asked Elon Musk, he'd pick product because Teslas are literally the safest car in the world, oh, for example. Or like, sure. if it's like a product, like, I don't know, something that's actually, iPhone. Yeah, like, or yeah. Samsung. Because Uber likes to <laughs> debate, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, if it's like an actual product that's changing lives, then I'd pick product, but yeah. more for man services. Because especially in, I guess, like our in- industry, like the self-help or like entrepreneurship, business, whatever, like we know that our service is actually changing someone's lives. And I think that's yes. way cooler than, you know, fucking this guy just bought like, a fidget spinner like you know like that's true, yeah, that's imagine, true. imagine sitting around at a table and everyone's like how did you become a millionaire man it's like fuck man i sold these like bluetooth beanies that's crazy that's actually a big fact take, take in though imagine like like okay just for the sake of like andrew tate right like imagine like everyone's like oh so like what are your businesses Oh yeah, like I fucking sell like dildos or something, something stupid. Like you know what I mean? Like people just respect you less. And actually, Dan, we're curious because um right now I, I want to put Umar, I want to throw Umar under the bus, but Umar wants to like go through like a, a change in niches, right? How important do you think is like your digital footprint in the sense of like, for example, there are certain um like comedians out there or certain people who like you know they have like a past video where they're just like doing some stupid dance or they just look like a goofball like how important do you think it is to be conscious about that when becoming a businessman i guess just growing as an individual yeah well i think like when when our new clients like start a new business and stuff like that we we have a lesson called purging the past and it's not to like delete everything from the past but just like irrelevant shit like any cat memes like you've shared or like just irrelevant (laughs) stuff or you know for example if you're like smoking weed with your mates and you take a photo and post it on like obviously remove that but we, right. we also want to have like a personal element as well because you mm-hmm. know prospects connect with people not so much like the actual service itself exactly um, so we do want to have some sort of like personalization relatability to create a connection with those prospects too you know we well so how do you how that. do you find the middle line like how do you find the right balance yeah well i just i think that like people don't really want to work with the three percent body fat dude who just came off comp prep on trend you know like they just want to work with like a real dude who like understands those people on a deeper level so i think like as long as like you're authentic in your message and you can like demonstrate some sort of vulnerability to like connect with your audience on a deeper level then Mm. i think you'll take more of the market than somebody who uh positions themselves as somebody who's perfect you know Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I agree with that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. No, dope. That's actually yeah. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. Um, since you actually brought it up, that's actually interesting. We've noticed, at least I've noticed, man. Like just going to the gym through the years. What are your opinions on like these fat trainers? Man, like not me personally. Yeah, yeah. like I wouldn't do it. No. No, I mean like, but generally, because like it's it's like it's it's a very common thing. You walk into the gym, and some of the PTs, like you said, they're buffed up and everything. And then there's like literally some like trainers are literally like like fucking out of shape and fat, right? Like you being in the fitness space, right? Like how how do you feel about that? Well, I don't feel good about that, but I mean, like there might be a an an audience for that fat personal trainer, like maybe somebody who else is fat, 
and lazy and be like, oh, look, I can exercise and work out and still like, you know, be some sort of like fitness expert. They might look at that personal training and be like, you know, I can be fat yeah. and work out like this dude, you know? I wait, wait, know. so I, I don't, I, I'm not too aware about this, but you're telling me there are like fat people giving advice on how to what, not be fat? There's full-time personal trainers who are out of shape. Yeah. Correct. So where is like the... Everyone falls back on like, you know, you can be fat and be healthy. And it's like, well, you can also not be fat and be healthy. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like, no, but, hold on. So I don't understand. So, okay, so for example, let's just say like, let's just say Dan, I'm like, Dan, I'm going to teach you how to uh, make money fucking selling candy canes, but I've never sold a candy cane before in my life. So why would you hire me? You got to practice what you preach. And it's like, if somebody just knows theory, but they don't have like the practical, yeah. like in, in doing that based on what they've done it themselves. And like, exactly. no fucking way. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's actually, it's crazy. It's almost like the equivalent of like a lot of these online gurus who like they're pretending they're multimillionaires, but yeah, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. the blind leading the blind, right? Like the fat training yeah. the fat, the poor training the poor. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like a business coach saying, hey, you can make six figures in, in the next six months. And it's like, oh, have you done that? No, no, no. But I read Expert Secrets by Russell. <laughs> Bro. And it's crazy how common that actually is. It's like a regular occurs at hotbeds, which is freaking horrible, man. Horrible. Mm. But moving back into success principles, we want to ask, um, what do you think is the number one success principle um, to get started in a business? I think just fucking wanting it bad enough, eh? Because, like, mm, yeah. I think if you're only doing it for the money, like, as soon as you reach a certain uh, revenue target, you're going to start to take your foot off the gas pedal. But I think yes. it's more, like, either being pushed away from pain or pulled towards a vision or, like, both, a combination of both. Mm. I think that's that's what you need. If if you want it bad enough, you will find a way. Mm. Sure. No, sure. I like that. I think desire is, like... A lot of people, like, are soft and they just, like... They haven't had a hard life. They haven't been through much adversity. Yes, it's just like, yeah. you can see it in the way that, that they handle problems that come their way. You know, they're just like, uh, it's like, fuck dude, man. Like you need to hit the army or something for like a month. up a little bit. Dan, what do you yeah. think about like the whole, uh, cause you live in Bali now. What do you think about like the whole like Western world and just like the lack of desire? Like there's no more ambition. Like the American dream is like barely like a thing anymore. What do you think about that? I just think that like a lot of people in the Western world, what, what I see now in hindsight is like lack of gratitude for what they have. Like you mm. see people here that are living in like huts, like walking to like the fucking river with like a fucking bucket on their head. Like, yeah. like they're happier than most people in the Western world, you know? People in the Western world are sitting there with a pantry full of fucking food with like a thousand channels being like, fuck, I'm not happy. You know, it's so <laughs> crazy. But I think as well as that, it's like the women as well is like super entitled in the Western world where like, like a, a very masculine personality and i think yes. that society has like indoctrinated them into that mindset but it's like over here mm. like the women are like so traditional that like, they want to look after their men and and mm. you know and nurture them and stuff like that and the, and the men are like protect and provide but the women in the west don't want that you know i don't need a man Dude. yeah <laughs> fucking yeah. i'm an independent boss bitch. like shut the fuck up yeah like literally Okay, so okay, I want to ask you guys this. Um, so Umar, you're married. Sorry, wait, Dan, did you say uh, you you do have a partner or you don't have a partner? I do have a partner, yeah. You no, do have a partner, okay. So, okay, so what are you guys, okay, so my whole life, I thought arranged marriage was stupid because 
I was like, okay, if you're if you're a man and you can't find yourself a woman, you either suck at just getting girls or you're just a loser. No girl wants you, right? But I recently found out, and th this is such a stupid tangent, but I stick with me, guys. I recently found out that the uh, divorce rate for arranged marriages are little to none, as opposed to the normal uh, divorce rate for marriages are fifty percent. So I had me thinking, yes. okay. I'm not just going to go, and by the way, I do not, I'm not talking about marrying your cousin. I know I'm brown, but that's what I'm talking about. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> I'm not talking about marrying your relative. That's also weird. But if there's like a family who your family knows and you guys kind of come together, you know, you go on a couple of dates and then you like the girl, then you get married. That now I can kind of see myself doing. What do you guys think about arranged marriages and that whole thing? I think for sure, if you have a connection with the person and obviously like those arranged marriages, they tend to, like, obviously the woman tends to have more traditional values as well. You know, they're more, yes. they have more purity, purity which is yeah. like what a lot of men value, you know, like no one wants a chick that's been fucking ran through. Exactly. Yes. 2000 dudes, you know? Yeah. Um, Literally. For sure. Like I'd be open to the idea of that. As long as I have a connection yes. with them and I'd probably like give it six to 12 months before I do get married because you know, when you like, you know, when you're dating someone and it's cool and then when you move in with them you sort of like really get to know them and yeah obviously there's lots of disagreements and different perspectives oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff how they work through things together i think that's important too like for a long last oh, for sure. what about you Mar? you're married so you know you know what man like i was at the same mindset of Radice when i was younger of like you know, you hear cousins getting arranged marriage, like, yo, this guy's a fucking nerd. Like, yeah, yeah. he can pull, he can pull himself a, a female. But here's the thing: I will say, I think it depends on your personality type. Me personally, um, I'm, I feel like I've always been more of a romantic. Uh, and and when I did meet my girlfriend at the time, it was always like, it was like a like a fairy tale movie, almost like just plain scenarios kind of thing, right? So for me, I feel like okay, in a perfect world, yeah, man should go find his mate. But also to kind of to piggyback off what Dan said is like. A lot of men don't want someone – forget about being ran through. A lot of guys don't want a girl who's not a virgin, right? So how do you go about being the big guy, the top G? You're in the like, where are you going to attract the virgin? You're going to attract the virgin in the club? Like, no. Yeah. You know? So – but like there's nothing wrong with either or. I don't think it matters. What I do say is whether you want to get a arranged marriage or, or you want to fall in love with someone, I, I want to say this. You should be the type of person who could go pick a, a female. Right. Yeah. And when you have that power and then you get a race merch, it doesn't matter. But if you're a nerd and like you can't get a woman and you can barely hold a conversation with a woman and you're doing an arranged marriage, I think you're taking the cop out approach. And the reason why I say that is think about it like like you want to have these qualities as a man, you know, to be a protector, to be dominant. Right. And how are you going to say you're a protector and dominant when you're too afraid to go approach a woman? Right. I see this in my own family a lot, like especially in the brown community, especially being in a Muslim community where like there's always like, you know, the men and women should kind of be separated kind of thing. So I, and I when I was younger, I did struggle with that as well. But I, I don't think that should be an excuse where a lack of confidence. So now you're just going to get arranged with some random girl. I think you should have the ability yeah, to, yeah. to play the game. That's it's like I the passport personally. bros, right? Like if you're only like fucking personality trait is that you have a passport like Fucking hell, bro. Like, you lived your whole yeah. life and the only thing you have to offer is a passport? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. No, yeah, no. The thing I want to mention as well is, like, you know when you, let's just say you meet a chick and you don't have much, but then, like, while you're with her, you start to gain some success in business and yes. you start to gain yes. your wealth and stuff like that. But then once you become successful and you have generated quite a bit of wealth, when you date someone, you start to question yourself of, like, is she with me for my money? What if I didn't have it? Would she still be with me? Um. Ooh. I mean, like, I know that in New Zealand, like, I had those thoughts all the freaking time, you know, and it was hard to, like, um, differentiate, like, who's with yes. what. 
Um, yes. But when I, met, when I met my girlfriend here, man, like she's living in a one bedroom place, not even a, doesn't even have a bed, like a, like a single mattress on the floor, like the size of like a, a bathroom, like the house. Mm. But it just made me appreciate her more because she's always happy, like high energy, Simple. like grateful. I'm like, man, yeah. it just, it yes. sort of like troubled me a lot too, you know? Yes. You see yeah, that, a lot. I'm happy. Yeah. No, that, that's the only thing also, too. Yeah. I also want to add one more thing too. I think there should also be a sense of responsibility. And what, my, what I mean by that is what Radhi said earlier, the statistic is actually insane. I think it was like 2 two or 6% of arranged marriages get end up in divorce yeah. versus a love marriage is like 50-50. I think you have to mature as an individual as well, right? I'm married and I'm 24 years old. So you can imagine how challenging it was. And we've been married for two years now. For the first two years, we're 22 years old, living alone, and just two kids more or less, right? But I feel like there was, I had a lot of responsibility where I might have been 24 years old in age, but like in my, in my knowledge, I was much higher because I read the marriage books. I watched the marriage counseling videos. I actually had a, I have a mentor actively who's a married person. And I, he's not like I pay him or anything. He's just, he's a, a good friend of mine now who literally mentors me in a relationship. I ask him questions about his personal life, his, his, his sexual life to learn things from him, right? So I put that sense of responsibility on myself where the reality is, is I'm 24 years old. It could take one fuck up and I could ruin everything from my, in my marriage, right? But I took that personal responsibility on that. I'm like, you know what? I took this girl on. Uh, I promised her a certain lifestyle and I want to fill my end of the bargain, right? So I think you have to have a sense of responsibility where like if you're going to go, oh, statistically 50%, go fuck yourself, man. Like go grow a pair, be a man, learn how to, how to, how to treat a woman properly mm-hmm. and learn how to figure out the situations. Like think, think listen, Dan, you run a business. If you have an issue with one of your ads, your campaigns are blocked, are you going to quit now? And like, oh, I guess I should start a new, new, I guess Facebook doesn't work. Let me go TikTok ads. No, you're going to figure out why the ad keeps getting blocked, right? So it's statistics, man. Fuck statistics. Fuck averages. Like, I hope if you're listening to this podcast, especially you're 45 minutes in, you're a kind of person who wants more out of life. So who cares about statistics and averages? And like, why would you want to be a part of that group? No, but Umar, the thing is, right? Like, so for me, uh, that statistic, the only only reason I care about it is like, that statistic says a lot just about the dating pool right and yeah. i would argue it's only gonna get worse because bro dan i'm even fucking younger i'm only 22 now right so for me it's like bro my generation's fucked like these girls are out here just doing whatever they want and like you said yeah. like this whole like new mindset shift or whatever like i genuinely don't like i think it's gonna be very very hard now for relationships to actually work flourish and prosper and it's like it's almost like a norm to get divorced now, which is fucking insane. And like, that's why I'm kind of like, okay, like if this is what I'm surrounded by, chances are I'm going to have to figure out something different as opposed to like, okay, yes, I could thug it out. And bro, I'll be honest. I think for my age, I'm in the top 1%. So it's like, it's not that I don't pull girls. That's not, that's not the issue. The issue is getting a girl who I actually want to go the whole yes. wrong way with, right? Because it, yeah. it's not hard to go get a date with a girl, man. It's not hard to go sleep oh, with a girl. Sure. That's what you want. It's, bro, it's easy. Like, it's not, it's, not, it's not an issue. But, like, actually finding the wifey. The one. That's yeah. that's where it's that's like, a challenge. Ooh, right? That's I think a challenge. Media, but it goes back to your... Social media has fucked everything up, man. Like, yeah. oh, sure. everyone wants validation, acceptance. Like, yes. You know, the opposite sex is just like a DM away. Like they're getting so many DMs yes. every day, and it sort of feeds yes. into their ego, where they're like they they perceive themselves to be, you know, fucking like the queen. Like they just got so many <laughs> options. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. crazy, man. It, it is and that's that's another thing too dad which is it's so crazy where like social media could get to your head to the point where like if the girl does have a social media following like there are girls who like their instagram account is everything i remember when i saw fresh and fit they're like 
uh, your Instagram account or like your boyfriend and all the girls are like Instagram, Instagram, Instagram because you get so much fulfillment, right? Like, oh, I need attention. Oh, put a story wow. up. And the girls literally were like, yeah, we would rather have our Instagram account than like a, than a hap- happy relationship. And that's scary. Like that's, that's another scary thing, right? Where I think this is where cultures and, and, and religion comes to a real play and makes things a bit easier, kind of like balances a playing field. Because whether you're a Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, doesn't matter your religion. A usually a religious person is, um, they care less about that and they're less materialistic. And that could balance out the equation. I have a couple of friends of mine who they've actually, they're Muslim guys, religious guys who have quote unquote love marriages because they were volunteering in the same fundraising organization and they met this girl and they had meeting and stuff. And then he talks to this guy's dad and then boom, they got married. And it's like, if you're in the right places, you're gonna fight the find the right mate, right? It goes back to the example I was saying, like if you're always in the club, you're always in the party, like of course you're gonna find that quality of woman. But if you go to these places, like I use religion as example, but it could be like those like the Bro, a library, libra- library grocery store Charity organization. <laughs> um, if you're really like, like I don't know, a dog group chat, dog dog walking group, a park, like you know, more yeah. natural settings, you know. Yeah. I think like it's like the values that are adopted from religion or like the kind of people that go to the library, the, the type of people that are there, the values are different to somebody who goes to the club five days a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you guys can agree with this, but like I find a girl that actually reads, I find that shit so attractive. Like if a girl shows me that she actually has read like, because usually girls will read like The Secret or like maybe they'll read like Think and Grow Rich or like they'll just randomly stumble upon these books and you're like, damn, like, like why are you reading that? Like, you, you just kind of get like, I don't know, a soft spot. And I actually have a question for you guys. Um, this is so funny how we're talking about dating, but would you guys delete all your social media, but you could still use it for business reasons? Uh, would you delete everything for a happy, healthy, long-lasting relationship? Yeah, well, if, if you guys see my Instagram, I've got zero follow. I don't follow anyone. And mm. on my Facebook profile, um, I've got like 3,000 friends, but as soon as I see a post come up, it's like unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. <laughs> and I like, I just do that just to eliminate all the distractions because I know how easy yes. it is to like fall into that place of comparison. Mm. Um, yes. I just don't want to be a part of like that culture of like, just like the shit that people like post nowadays. It's just nuts, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know what? I'm gonna actually also say I would 100% sacrifice the social media for a happy relationship, even a mental health. Man, I personally, personally, I'm not talking shit. I do not spend time on social media in the sense of scrolling. I have three or four different accounts I post on on a regular basis, literally on an hour to hour basis. I'll go on, post, let it upload, and leave the app. The only time I scroll is I I literally intentionally scroll for 10 minutes on TikTok, usually a day. To find content to react to mm. for one of my niche channels, I, I don't I don't scroll because it damages you on so many fronts. And obviously, like the one that the, the everyone you gotta be lying if you said you never got caught up in the in the black hole where like you're scrolling for hours. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, but two also like the whole like the lust factor, right? Like you're seeing like girls twerking shit. You're seeing the girl the da- the dance videos and stuff, and it's like yeah. I don't want to be exposed to that anymore. It's just, it's just. I, I guess it's a more matured version. But at a hundred percent, if it wasn't for money, uh, I, I, I wouldn't bother. Like, I, I have, I own nice things. I go on nice trips that I, I, I hardly ever post about because it was never like four flexes. Always been a business of mine. I always see yeah. myself as a content creator, not a content consumer. Sorry. TikTok in China. Oh yeah, it's completely different compared to like what we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. if Instagram and TikTok in the Western world was like that. Everyone's like, what the fuck yeah. is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no one's reacting. Like, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if you took that away from people? Yeah. Even people are like freaking out about the blue verification tick. 
being mm. accessible to everyone now like all these you know influencers are like what's going on it's like yeah man you know those those coaches who are selling the blue tick for 20k yeah those guys are all gone now Ooh, they're gone see you later yeah bye uh-huh. yeah okay guys um we have to wrap things up in a couple minutes here uh umar check the chat if you're confused but uh before we get on to our rapid fire round um we wanted to ask you uh dan do you have any questions for us or any final things you want us to talk about um no that's good Okay, perfect. So we're going to go into the rapid fire round, Dan. And basically what this round is, we're going to say a bunch of words or phrases and you have to respond back with the first word that comes to mind. Okay. Yes. All right. So the first word is success. Growth. Growth. Okay. Failure. Lesson. Nice. All right. Health. Blank. <laughs> uh, fitness. Fitness. <laughs> yeah. Health. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sales. Marketing. Uh, marketing. Sales. Sales. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Roadblock. Lesson. Mm, uh, teams. Community. Okay. Uh, money. Growth. Um, social media. Mm, what's the word? It's like avenue, like resource. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Dan. Resource. In under sixty seconds, we want you to answer. Uh, if you had to start from zero, what would you do now? The very first thing I would do is I would uh, look to solve one problem with one particular audience yep. that has depth, that is like targeting some sort of emotional pain point. Mm-hmm. The second yes. thing I'd do is I'd create a free resource that was free, that was extremely valuable, and that was aligned to the biggest problem that that person was wanting to solve. Number three is I'd launch a series of ads with detailed targeting, putting that free resource directly in front of that person that wanted to see it the most. Mm-hmm. Number four, I'd drive them after that with their name and email address in exchange for that free thing into some sort of conversion mechanism to get them to book in a call, and then I'd close them on, a, on a, either a high-ticket offer or some sort of subscription model. Beautiful. Perfect. There's the business plan for you guys. Okay. Now, Dan, uh, we have three last questions. So if you had to swap lives with someone for 24 hours, who would it be? Elon Musk, for sure. Nice. Ooh, fire. What do you have? Yeah, I've got him tied on my leg. I've got Kanye West. I've got Post oh, nice. Lane, my mom, Legends. my dad, my French bulldog. And I'm going to get Andrew Tate on the back of my leg too. Yeah. That's so sick. Okay. Fire. All right. The next one is who's the most motivated president of all time for you? The most, who I find the most motivation from? Yeah. Yes. Probably Tate, to be honest. Tate? Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Tate. I was going to be like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, Dan, the last question for today. Let's just say uh, everything from the day you were born till now is written in a book. What would the title of that book be called? Probably called from like, un- like underdog. It would be something to do with like underdog. Like I haven't even gone into like the full story of like my parents sending me to to Australia by myself at sixteen because I was out of control when we first moved to New Zealand. Right. And then you know, being on the street and my house getting shot at and all that sort of stuff. Oh wow. But, like, yeah, like I, my the cards that were that I was dealt, like there was no way that I was going to wow. be successful. Damn. I actually want to write a book at some point with like the brethren thing. You know, my mum got raped by her dad oh, like whoa. and then got sent to a mental hospital like 
There's some crazy shit, man. Like what? I've got some, some crazy stories. Yeah. You'll see it okay. on TikTok oh, as well. There's, there's a lot of different stories in there. Damn. Okay, guys, wow. if this episode does super well, Dan, I'm sure you're going to blast this out to your email list and make everyone go <laughs> like and comment on this. It is very well. We're going to have Dan on for part two, and we're going to go deeper into some of these crazy stories. But Personal stories. Wow. Holy shit. Fire, Dan, thank fire. you so much yeah. for uh, hopping on, man. We appreciate it, for real. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. That was... Really appreciate it, guys. No, we... We appreciate it. And guys, we're going to put all of Dan's helpful links in the description below. Make sure you check it out. Give him a follow. He's been crushing on TikTok, Instagram, you name it. All right. Like always, guys, if you enjoy watching these videos, smash the like button, subscribe for more. And Peace and success. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>